doesn't tell us uh, that he's a ruler or that he was young, but between Matthew and Mark and Luke, uh, we come to understand this man was a, a wealthy young ruler. And he was somebody that was intrigued with Jesus, and he came to Jesus, and yet he went away empty, which is a rare thing, because Jesus can fill the need of anybody, anywhere, anytime, if they're willing. He just made a choice. He made a choice not to let Jesus fill the need uh, in his life. And you know, you and I have a choice to make as far as Jesus is concerned. Jesus doesn't force himself on any of us. He doesn't force himself on us in salvation. He doesn't force himself on us in life. We can either choose to trust him and to walk with him, or we can choose to go it alone. Going it alone is always the worst choice. And yet people do. Even Christians do sometimes. We sang there this morning, <clears throat> Take the Name of Jesus With You. And it's a wonderful song because it speaks of the truth of taking the name of Jesus with you through the week so that everywhere you go. And, you know, if you're open to him and you're uh, alive to him, lots of times during the week you're going to be calling on his name. You're going to be talking to him. You're going to be bringing needs and burdens before him. I mean, just off the cuff. I don't mean even in your devotional time. I mean, just off the cuff you're going to be talking to him because he's there, he's real, and he wants to help. And the most precious gift ever given to any man anywhere is the gift of Jesus. So let's look at this man this morning and, and look, look at what he did and let's avoid doing what he did, but let's make the choice to trust Jesus and walk with him. Let's pray first of all. Father, would you bless us this morning as we look to your word. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you'd anoint me for the preaching of the word and that your hand and your power would rest upon this moment and that you would speak clearly to all of us. And Lord, I pray that uh, you would bless even those that can't be here today and those that will listen to the podcast later on. Lord, just put your blessing in your hand upon that and use it to speak to hearts and lives. And Lord, we'll thank and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 17 through 25. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Uh, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all of these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Moment of decision for this man. And he makes the wrong choice. And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about him and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying amongst themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, 
but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. All right, first point we need to see is this man was very interested. He came running to Jesus, and he kneeled before him. Something he had heard, uh, some message perhaps Jesus had spoken, he had heard, had just caught his mind, his attention, his heart, and whatever it was that Jesus had, he wanted some of it. And he knew that Jesus was the way of eternal life, and he comes and he asks him uh, what he needs to do to inherit eternal life, because he, he wants all of it. Now, uh, the, the Gospels tell us that he's, he's, he's rich, he's a ruler, and uh, he's young. And as a ruler, he would have been a ruler in one of the synagogues. So he's somebody of note, somebody of repute, and somebody who spends their time uh, studying scriptures and understanding scriptures and so on. And all that he had heard in his life and all that he had looked at and all that he had studied did not equal to what he was hearing from Jesus. Can you imagine for a moment what it would be like to hear Jesus preach? To just have him stand and deliver the Sermon on the Mount. You know, <clears throat> so much truth, so much earth-shattering truth in what he was speaking, it would just leave you with your mouth wide open, trying to understand it, thinking through it. Every time Jesus spoke, it was different to the way other men spoke. Uh, they, he didn't speak like the Pharisees. He spoke as one having authority. Even those that were sent to confound him, to trip him up and catch him, they, they, they had to admit, never man spake like this man. Nobody ever spoke like him. They, 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 they went to trip him up and catch him, and they ended up going, whoa. It's amazing. And you see, we live in a sin-cursed world, and everything is broken, and the, the cracks show up very frequently and very often in our lives and in our relationships and in uh, the world we live in, and everything shows up the cracks. But, you know, there was one thing born in this world that had no crack in it. There was one thing born in this world that was just perfect, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And he walked this world a perfect man, and he spoke the truth of God in a way that nobody else had ever spoken. And it wasn't his appearance. It was what he said. And the, the truth that rang like a clear bell in the, in the cacophony of sounds around him, his truth rang like a clear bell. And this ruler was drawn to him. He wanted more. He wanted more of what Jesus had to say. And you and I understand that, don't we? Do you ever read the Gospels and you look at what Jesus said and you're just there, you're just left with your mouth open for a moment when you consider how wonderful he was at, at, at fencing with people with words and, 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 and revealing truth and showing them where they were at and how, how wonderful he was at speak. how the, the truth he spoke was so deep and resonates with you so deeply. That's, that's where this man is. And so he comes to Jesus, and he's, he, he, he's all about it. He's found what he's looking for. He's found who he's looking for. He, he's found something beyond what he thought he could find. And he comes running to Jesus, and he kneeled to him. And he said, good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, <clears throat> he's beginning to reveal the problem that he has here. He says, good master, Jesus is going to take issue with that. We'll talk about that in a second. But he says, what must I do? What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? See, he's a good man. 
We see that because Jesus is going to ask him. He's a good man in terms of the world, in terms of himself. And he thinks he can do it. He thinks if Jesus will just tell him what to do, he can do it. The emphasis is on I, what I can do. Do you know, we live in a world where the emphasis is on I, what I can do. The, the, the world talks about that all the time. The world talks about In fact, uh, there are two whole different economies in the world. There's, there's an economy that tells you if you don't make it happen, if you don't get up and do it, if you don't actually do the work and make things happen, uh, it'll never happen. And there's an economy that tells you that you have to trust in God. And that kind of, can be kind of confusing for us because the reality is if you sit down and do nothing, then nothing is what you're getting. Right? <clears throat> that, that's true. But do you realize that you're not in control of all of it? You're not in control of life. You, there's so little of life that you're actually in control of. You know, the nation of Israel went in to take over the land of Israel. And I was reading in the book of Deuteronomy just yesterday. And um, what it says is that God put the fear and the dread of Israel on all the nations they were going into. Them, into it. So everybody was terrified of them before anybody drew a sword. They were all quaking. They were all terrified. They were trembling because they, 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 God had put a fear in them. And really, very evidently in the conquest of, <clears throat> of Canaan, that God actually was the conqueror. Israel just got to mop up after what God was doing. But do you know that God is the actor in your life all the time? He's always doing stuff. It's not you. You're not as in charge as you think you are. We never are. And this young man thinks, what, what do I have to do? And, and he reveals that his dependence is on himself. Now I understand. You live in a world that tells you very clearly to depend on yourself. To go out and do it, make it happen. But you need to understand that when God decides it's not going to happen, there's no power on earth that can shift him or move him. And when God decides it's going to happen, there's no one that can stop him. We need to understand that it's God working in our lives that counts. That's where the fear of the Lord comes from. The fear of the Lord comes from you and I coming to the place where we understand he's in charge of everything. And this ruler, he's a good man. Uh, he's got some things together in his life. He's been blessed and he's, uh, and he's wealthy. And now he's going to add to all of that whatever Jesus tells him to do. And he thinks he can do it. He thinks he can make it happen. He didn't know himself. You know, typically we don't know ourselves very well. Typically we don't actually understand ourselves very well. <clears throat> we don't understand that we can't do. Our humanistic day tells us effectively there's no God. Go and do whatever you like. And even when it comes to religion, most religions will tell you, do this, do this, do this. But Christianity says, no. It was all done by Jesus. All finished on the cross. He paid the price. He did the deal. All of it was done in him. So this man is very interested, but he has a problem. He thinks that he can do it. He thinks that he can work it out, that he can make it happen uh, for himself. Secondly, <clears throat> he was a good man. Uh, um, verse 18 through 20 says, And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Now Jesus is the master at getting beneath the facade of things into the heart of things. 
Jesus was never caught off guard. You know, he was never somebody, you know, that you could pose a question and he said, oh, let me think about that. I'll have, to, I'll have to look up my books and come to you with an answer. No, Jesus always had the answer. He knew what you were going to ask before you asked him. Uh, and he knew what this man was going to ask. And so this man says, good master. By the way, this is the only time in the Gospels that Jesus is called good master. That's interesting. Uh, but Jesus takes issue with it, right? Uh, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one. That is God. Now, two things he's saying. He's saying, um, do you understand that there's only one that's good? And you're calling me good. And by the way, it was true because Jesus was God. So he was good. So this man unknowingly, unwittingly, uh, has called that out. But Jesus takes issue with it. But the second thing is, there's no good. Do you know... <clears throat> If, 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 if we were to publicize that truth to the world at large, there is none good but one that is God. People would cry shame on us. People would tell us that was ridiculous. People would tell us that we were just being mean and nasty and low. And yet it's true. And the first prerequisite to understanding the gospel, to getting saved, is understanding there's, there's none good. We're not good. You know, we may be better than some, but we're not good in the absolute sense of the word. None of us. None of us have that. None of us get it all right. All of us fail. All of us miss it. All of us have things we, we, we'd rather not talk about. Because we're not good. And this, this, this young man needs to understand that. So Jesus is going to help him. Right? <clears throat> And he says, thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and thy mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. And you know what that reveals about him? That reveals about this man that <clears throat> he has a false impression of himself. Now, there is a sense in which a Jew could actually say that, because Paul, <clears throat> Paul said about himself, as far as the law was concerned, blameless. So that as far as the Jews were concerned and in their interpretation and understanding of the law, uh, Paul could say, I'd done nothing wrong. Right? Paul was a sinner. He was, in fact, he said he was the chief of sinners, and he understood that, that he was, and it was just in their context. So this man, in, in, in the context of his Jewish faith, might be able to say, yep, I do it all. But the reality is, in the deeper matters of the heart, no, he wasn't. Nobody's that good. In fact... <clears throat> In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus gave us the real meaning of the law. It goes to the heart, not just your actions. See, Jesus said you can have a heart filled with adultery, even if you never commit it. You can have a heart filled with murder, even if you never do it. A heart that steals, even if you never steal. And God looks at the heart as well as the actions. So this man <clears throat> needed something, but he didn't know he needed it. He needed fixing, but he thought he was okay. He thought he could do it, and he thought he was okay. He was a good man. Uh, he was all right. <clears throat> and Jesus is saying, you're not. There's none good but one. That is God. In fact, Paul tells us in Galatians that the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. In other words, the law was given to show us that we couldn't keep it. 
perfect law. If there was a law that could make you holy, keeping the law of the Old Testament would make you holy. But the reality is nobody could keep it. And so what happened is the law was a schoolmaster that was supposed to help you realize, I can't, I'm not able, I don't, can't do it, and bring you to Jesus, who is the answer, who is the solution to the problem. That's what the law was for. But, but this man is under the false impression that he's keeping it, and therefore, he's good. <clears throat> Listen, we all need to understand that in order to be saved, we have to come to the place where we realize we're not good. And listen, you may, like this man, be a very nice person to live around. I mean, he says himself, he didn't commit adultery, he didn't steal, he didn't lie, you know, he didn't do those things. He was, he was a good man to live around. But you know, and in spite of the fact that he was a good man to live around, he wasn't good. And you may be a good person to live around. But the truth is, that if you don't come to the place where you understand that before God, you're not good. You can't be saved. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek and to save those who understand I have a need. This man's problem is he doesn't have a need. He wants to add something to his life, but something he can do, something he's in control of, something he's in charge of. And salvation doesn't work that way. But you know, the Christian life doesn't work that way either. And sometimes we think after we're saved, it's all down to me and I'm going to do it. I'm going to, make, I'm going to make it happen. And even in your Christian life, you can't be good apart from him. There is none good but God. If you're going to make an admission to you this morning, you know, I'm not good. <clears throat> but you're not good either. And if I do anything good, that's truly in the spiritual, biblical sense of the word good. If I do anything good, it's Christ in me that does it. And the same is true for you. That you can put a face on it. You can pretend to live the Christian life just like this man was doing. You can do the right things. You can keep the rules. But you know, in the heart of it, you can't be good apart from him. It's only him that's good. I was looking at something on <clears throat> the other day, and um, <clears throat> uh, somebody asked the question, do you need the Holy Spirit to go to heaven? And somebody else answered, yeah, I need the Holy Spirit to go to the shops. <laughs> we need the Holy Spirit for everything. There's never a moment when we don't need the Holy Spirit. There's never a moment when we don't need God uh, working in us. We need God all day, every day. We can't. We're never going to get it right. Not in ourselves. That should do two things for you. That should keep you mindful of your need, number one, so that you walk with him. And it should help you not be so disappointed in yourself. Because the reason you fail is because you're not good and you weren't walking with him. And when you walk with him, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The problem is walking with him. But this young man, like many of us before we were saved, he said, I'm a good man. I'm getting most of it right. I'm doing okay. I'll be fine. I want you to see, though, what happens. He had a problem, and Jesus identified it. Um, verse 21 says, Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. 
Now that's, that's very touching there. Here you have this man who thinks he's got it all together, who's a good man, and he comes to Jesus and he's, uh, he's terribly interested. He, he wants whatever Jesus has. And Jesus beheld him and loved him. Now, we know that Jesus loved the world, loves the world. Uh, <clears throat> you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus died for everybody on this planet. Every sin that was ever committed or ever will be committed, he has paid the price for. Like, he died for all of it. Right? But it only says a couple of times that there was somebody that he loved. Right? He loved Mary and Martha. John is the disciple whom he loved. And this rich young ruler, Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Now you think, that's it, he's home and dry. If Jesus loves you, what can go wrong? That doesn't change your free will. And this young man that Jesus beheld and loved has a choice to make, has a decision to make now. He's either going to choose Jesus or he's going to walk away. And even though Jesus loves him, he's not going to run after him. He's not going to grab him and drag him back and say, I love you, you can't do this, you need to get saved. He's going to let him go. Do you know that Jesus loves you today? But he won't force your will. Jesus loves you, but he won't make you do it his way. If you're not saved, he won't make you get saved. If you're his child, he loves you and he's committed to you, but he won't force you to do it his way. He just doesn't do that. He gives us free will, and it's very real to him. He won't force us. So he beheld this man, and he loved him. And he said, one thing thou lackest, go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come and take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Now, what's going on here? Is this a prerequisite for salvation? Do you have to give up all your, uh, have a sale of work and give up everything you have and give the money away? That's, that's, that, 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 that's a pretty hard prerequisite, isn't it? Well, it's not. It's never made a prerequisite in the Bible. But do you know what's at issue here? And the next verses actually um, <clears throat> show it. Um, <clears throat> If you look at the middle of that passage there, but Jesus answered again and saith unto them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. Do you know the problem this young man had? It was his trust. It was what he depended upon. It was where he placed his value. And it was in what he had. And his possessions and his position and the power that that gave to him <clears throat> that's where his trust was that's where he was resting now, now before you discount him and say well you know what I'm not rich so it doesn't affect me I guarantee you if you look at the stuff you have and the stuff he had you got more stuff than he had <clears throat> and understand this it's not the stuff that's the problem but it's what you're depending upon 
It's what you're trusting in. It's what's more important to you. Jesus or the stuff? Jesus or the world? You know, we're constantly faced with this thing where we make to have, a, have to make a choice between Jesus and the world. And that's what this man needs to do. He needs to make a choice between Jesus and the world. Am I going to, am I going to trust in what I've got? What I can control? What gives me my, my status? What my, where my identity is? So I'm going to let all that go and understand that he's all I need. Remember the story of the pearl of great price? The man who was a pearl, <clears throat> a merchant. He bought and sold pearls. He was, a, he was an expert in pearls. He knew pearls. And one day, he found a pearl. And the pearl was so spectacular. It was so much better than anything he had ever seen. that he went and he sold every other pearl he had so that he could have this pearl. And you see, what God wants us to understand, that when he gave us Jesus, he gave us the most valuable thing in time, eternity, the universe. And he wants us to understand that his son is of more value than all the rest put together. And he wants you and I to catch that, to understand that. This rich young ruler doesn't understand that. He, he doesn't get that. He, just, he, 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 he doesn't know. He has a problem. And his problem is that he's intrigued with Jesus. He, the truth resonates with him. He, he, it just gets to him. And, and he wants whatever Jesus is offering. But he doesn't want it as the most important thing. Kind of like the Jews. In Jeremiah chapter 3, God reprimands them for making a bad choice. He says this about them, that they have chosen cisterns. That's a tank. Broken cisterns. They're cracked. They can't hold water. They've chosen to have their own cisterns that they can fill with water even though they won't hold the water and they're going to let them down when the going gets tough. They've chosen them and they have forsaken him the rivers of living water that can never be exhausted, that is always going to meet the need, that is always sufficient. That's what this rich young ruler did and that's what we so often do too, even as believers, even as his children. We'll choose something that choose something that, that can't sustain us. <clears throat> you know, something that's going to run dry, something that's going to frustrate us. We'll choose that over him. And he says, "I want you to tr trust me. I'm the rivers of living water. I'm the one that can sustain you. I'm the only one that can sustain you. Choose me. Choose choose to walk with me. You and I need to choose him." We need to recognize his value and we need to choose him. You know, this, this, this poor young man, you know, what he needed to say was, he needed to say, well, there's no way I could ever keep all of that law. It's impossible. I've tried. I'm not good enough. I can't do it. I need a savior. You know, Paul says in, in Romans chapter 7, he says, who shall deliver us? 
And what he's saying is, I can't do it. This body of sin, I just can't do it. And then he says, I thank my God through Christ Jesus. That Jesus is the deliverer. And you and I need to understand we're not good. But he's a great deliverer. We're not good and we're not able, but he can do it. <clears throat> we're not able in and of ourselves, but, but, but he can do it. He can fix it. You know, the problem for this young man is that he came to Jesus full of hope, with passion. He came to Jesus and he went away empty. I think he went away more empty than he'd ever been in his life. Because I think he went home and he looked at his nice house and he said, but I chose this over him. I think he went into his nice house and he saw his nice things. And he said, but I chose these over him. And they didn't look so pretty anymore. And his nice clothes were just clothes. And the food they served him up was just food. And the money he had was just money. Because he's made a bad choice. And I think what happened is everything in his life was empty now. Because he'd, he'd come to the one that can fill all our needs and he'd walked away. And the emptiness is crushing. I like to think that he ended up going back. Bible doesn't say it, but I don't know how you could live with that crushing emptiness. I don't know how you could blot it out. I don't know how you could live in that place. I like to think that what Jesus did was Jesus turned him upside down and inside out. And this poor man lived in misery for a while. And he came back to Jesus and he said, I'll give you anything you want. I just have to have you. You don't have to believe that, though. It's not in the Bible. That's just what I think. But I, I, I will not be surprised to meet this young man in heaven. Because I think that <clears throat> he had to realize what a dreadful choice he had made. But <clears throat> you and I make that choice. We make that choice in salvation. And I, and I understand. When you get saved, you really don't. No, nobody said you had to give up everything when you got saved, did they? Sometimes I think we really need to actually be more forthright about salvation for people. That wouldn't you, wouldn't you ask the Spirit of God into your life? I mean, he's, first of all, uh, he's God. And he doesn't come in to play with you and to add to your life. He comes into you in rule, to rule. He's God. He, he comes in uh, uh, to call the shots and to rule. And, you see, and, and, and again, he won't force you. He won't make you do it his way. But I'm telling you, if you don't, you'll be miserable. He'll be so empty. It'll be, it'll be so bereft of joy and blessing if you don't do it his way. And Christians can be the most miserable people on the planet for that reason. Isn't the Spirit of God comes in to, to, to actually change everything in your life. But you know what? When you yield to him, when you let him have his way, and you're not going to be perfect and get it right all the time, but when you set your sail and you yield and you say, Lord, whatever you want, I'm, I'm choosing you over all the rest. You get him, and he takes care of all the rest for you as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's the best deal that's ever happened. See, this rich young ruler, I'm sure here's what he thought. If I give up all my money, give it away to, if 
I sell my house, give it away, and I, and I, and I sell all my nice things and give them away. I'm, go, I'm going to be a pauper. I'm going to be one of those people sitting outside the temple with a begging bowl in my hand, begging for the rest of my life. I'm going to be one of those cursed people in the land. But do you know that would never have happened to him? Jesus was saying, take up your cross, come follow me. And inherent in that is, I'll take care of you. We're not looking at it today for time's sake, but uh, the disciples at the end of all this, uh, they come in with a question of their own and they say, okay, well, hang on, we've given up everything. So what do we get? And Jesus says, listen, you get houses and lands and brethren and everything and in the time to come, eternal life. They weren't going to lack and they never did lack. They never lack. Listen, if you walk with somebody that can take five loaves and feed 5,000 people with them, if you walk with somebody that can calm the sea, if you walk with somebody that can walk on the sea, you know what? You're never going to lack. Jesus is not asking you to be a pauper sitting outside the temple. He's asking you to trust him to let him take care of you, to let him meet the need in your life, to let him be the one that watches over you. He's good at it. You're not. He's asking you to let him be the one that provides and takes care of you. And you've got a choice to make. You make it in salvation. You come to that place where you say, I, I, I can't do this, I'm a sinner, I need a savior. You make it that. But you, know, you make it as a believer too. That you have believers that come to that place where they, where they put their trust in him and they say, oh, whatever he has for me, that's what I want. Where, where they yield themselves to him completely. I like to think this, this, this man came back to Jesus and did just that. He said, okay, look, I can't, I can't live without you. Whatever you want, just take it. I, 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 I just want you. I like to think he came to that place. <clears throat> but you know, you need to come to that place in your life. Whatever you want is yours, Lord. I just need you. Because if you have Jesus, you have everything you need. What can you lack when you have Jesus? What can you lack when you give yourself to him? Nothing. If you have him, you have everything. But you've you got to make the choice. You've got to choose to trust in him. See, the problem for this young man was the problem of a wrong dependence. Uh, and Jesus says how hard it is for them that have riches. What does he mean there? Because it's so easy for us to trust in what we've got. Now let me say again. If you compare what you have to what the rich young ruler have had, you have a lot more stuff. You, you have a lot more stuff. So, so, so don't just write them off. But do you know that riches can come between you and God? Blessings can come between you and God? Do you know that? The good things in your life can actually come between you and God. And, and, and it's not a matter of what you have or don't have. The, you know, the command is not for everybody to go and sell everything they have. The command is this, you put your trust in him. You know, Abraham was a greatly blessed man. Uh, he was wealthy <clears throat> uh, on the level of a, of a nation state. 
That's what is how wealthy he was. He just he he just he was blessed of God. But you know there was never a question mark in Abraham's life, but where his trust was. That's why when it came to sacrificing Isaac, when God at the end of his life or <clears throat> towards the end of his days, God said, "Now take your son, your only son, whom you love." The, the one I gave you, the, the child of promise, the one that's supposed to be the reason you did all that you've done so far. Take him and sacrifice him to me. And Abraham says, yeah, okay. Why? Why did he do that? Because Abraham believed God. He trusted God. And he knew somehow God's going to take care of me. Do you know that I think Abraham was one of the freest men that's ever walked the earth? Because he had it all, but he didn't depend on it. He had it all. But Jesus was where his dependence lay. God was where his dependence lay. Do you know, that's where you and I need to be. God is generous. God is a giver. God blesses. The Bible says a hundredfold. Everything we give for him, we get back a hundredfold. That's a pretty, that's a pretty high interest rate. God can give you anything. God can take care of anything. He's only interested in one thing in, in you, though. It's your heart. Will you trust him? Will you come to that place where you'll say, you're, you're my all in all. I'll trust you. Whatever you take, I'll give. Whatever you give, I'll take. But I won't trust in you. Do you know 99% of the stress and strain of life just drains out when you come to that place where you say, Lord, whatever you take, I'll give, and whatever you give, I'll take. I'm going to trust you. You're not left battling for yourself anymore. You're not left fighting it out and duking it out for yourself. You're putting it in his hands. And he's much better at taking care of us than we are taking care of ourselves. He asks you, will you trust him? As we close... The disciples were astonished out of measure, saying amongst themselves, who then can be saved? Because Jesus is saying, you know what? So hard for them that have riches. Easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, which is a total impossibility, than for a rich man to be saved. And they're saying, well, who can get saved then? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. You come today and you find your trust is in other things. You need to be saved, and you know you need to be saved, but you know what? Your, your trust is in other things, and you have a hard time letting go. It's impossible, but it's possible with God. Yield yourself to him. Ask him, and he'll do it. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know, salvation is not a work in any sense of the word at all. It's us coming to the place where we turn away from our sin and turn to him. And if we look at the Bible, it's God that grants us repentance. It's all of him. But if you haven't asked him to save you, today would be a great day. You know, he never refuses. He never tells us, go clean up your act, get sorted out. Because he knows what we don't know. He knows we're not good. And we can't. But as soon as you call upon him, Bible says, shall be saved. 
He will save you. You know, as a believer, it's easy for you to drift through your Christian life, kind of sort of depending upon Him. Yeah, you're saved. You know you're going to heaven. But man, you're holding on to life pretty tight. Because it's your life and you've got to live it. And if you didn't live it, I'm, t- uh, I'm telling you, everything will go awry. And, and, and you're not coming to the place where you're really fully trusting and resting in Him. You're not coming to the place where you're saying, Lord, whatever you give, whatever you take, I'll give. Whatever you give, I'll take. You're not coming to that place where you're putting your trust fully in Him. And you say, oh, I'd like to, but I can't. That which is impossible with man is possible with God. Cry out to him. He can do what you can't do. He can bring you to that sweet place of resting in him. See, it's all of him and not of us. And this poor, rich, young ruler had to come to learn that. And we won't know till we get to heaven whether he did or not. But the master teacher was teaching. The master teacher was putting the pressure on. And I suspect that maybe he came to see it. The same master still puts pressure on today. If you need to be saved, cry out to him. If you need to put your trust fully in him for your life, Take all the stress and the strife out of it and say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm trusting in you for it. And he's teaching, respond to him. Let's stand for prayer. I'm going to pray and then the piano's going to play quietly and just give you a chance to do business with God as God has spoken to you. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for being so clear with us. And we thank you, Lord, for the, this rich young ruler. And Lord, I do pray that you would just help us. Lord, if there be one here that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, may they cry out to you even now. See their sin and cry out to you for salvation. And Lord, for your child that's here today but is not walking with you and not living for you, Lord, and is living for the world and finding it frustrating and empty, oh, Lord, may today be a day of surrender, a day of yielding, a day of letting you have it all. And Lord, we'll thank and praise you, Lord, because all the work is yours. We just enjoy the blessing. You just deal with God as the piano plays quietly.